think before I offer a teaching, because I'm aware of, uh, you know, make, fitting the time, the boundaries, and so I'd just like to make a kind of a bit of an announcement and ask for understanding and uh, support. Um, I've got, so, you know, I've tried to make the time fit the yogis rather than the other way around. Um, so, trying to use, follow your interests and what I sense or hope is for your benefit and to structure in some occasions that, that suit and fit your needs. And much, some of these are optional, so it's up to you to choose. Um, and if, you know, as we're looking at this, Oren and I are trying to figure out how can we fit, what can we fit in, yeah? Um, so we're going to put some, some optional sheets up and then we're just going to look and see, well, you know, um, relational work, interviews, qigong, <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> and uh, really want to make it the best opportunity for the greatest number of people. That's why I feel happiest that. So we're going to just put some sheets up and ask you to sign up and then we're going to try to to you know, fit the times around to to make that work. So that's going to be happening today. So just keep your eye on the board. You know, all those times I've written up, they're all sort of floaty, <laughs> as you probably recognised, because <laughs> I just don't know what you want and how long it's going to take. <laughs> but we've got some things we really want to respect. You know, the needs of the centre to to support your logistical needs. So those. Those are necessary, and the rest we just operate around in. Okay. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambodhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama sambodhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sama Sambodasa Udang Dhammang Sangang Namasami. So the hallmark of the process of uh, Dhamma fruitions is is often the the metaphors are natural, like seeds and growth and cultivation and ripening, you know. There's definitely a movement and definitely an increase, you could say there's definitely a progress, but it's called Tamata, Dhammata in accordance with Dhamma or in accordance with nature, these two words the means of these are sort of synonymous, really. So what is the true human nature, the true human potential? And it's in accordance with that. It's in accordance with your Dhamma potential that progress or growth or, you know, fruitions occur. And this is something to have faith in and confidence in. Also to realize you have to 
continually tap into your Dhamma potential and, and get that established. And as we, you enter the field of your experience, it's time you're going to meet this very potent and volatile personal conditioning experience, which you've probably outlined, you know, you know, the performance, the exclusivities, the um, driven quality. Um, these are all just absolutely standard features of the landscape, not yours really but you get formed in that shape <laughs> and your personality is bound to be formed in that shape uh, to, to a certain degree or another because how could it be any other way? You're plugged into this time, this place, this society. That's what you, that's what you, that's, that's what you get formed in. And, uh, you know, um, but it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility because yeah. if you stay in that, then you just perpetuate and intensify that. Mm. So yeah, there is a responsibility for your own welfare and for that of others to really begin to disengage and re-engage with your Dhamma potential. So we talked about the disengaging, which is that sense of, you know, Stepping back from the thought process doesn't mean you don't have thoughts, just stepping back. Visual process doesn't mean you can't see. You know, as the Buddha said, you know, if it was to do with cutting off sense contact and a deaf, dumb, blind, stupid person be enlightened. <laughs> but it's not about cutting off sense contact, it's about cutting off the meanings that come in with sense contact, distance out there, other people me yeah. Yeah. and time oh, you know and all these meanings that are rippling in the heart these sannyas that are very volatile and they touch and the heart gets triggered into sankara activations based upon these these potentials these sannyas these meanings these um, things we n- barely even challenge because they're so built in and that's our first task is to is to note them if we can't check it to really notice how triggered it is how triggered we are how spring loaded we are to jump and say hey you know this is whoa this is powerful and serious business Mm. and then the how do we disengage this is perception feels like this and essentially the disengaging from that is this quality uh, beginning a careful act of faith there could be and then careful attention let me just get some perspective on that this incredible scramble of thought this is anxiety isn't it this incredible welling up is 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 fear or rage you know anger uh, or craving just this kind of this we it disengage and then you re-engage with careful attention and careful attention this is where thinking is not a bad idea <laughs> but it is very much this thinking that is where you use the potential for thinking which we all have and we plug it into dhamma mm. and then that so it's really not such a good idea to to somehow taboo thinking uh, 
we're not supposed to be stupid. Uh, so you disengage from the compulsive thinking, what, what's really going on here? What's the meaning of this? You distill the meaning. Yeah. And some of the meanings are just so obvious in a way, not good enough, can't make it, whatever. And, and then, then the, the skill, could this be, could you, could this, could the heart touch that? Mm. Could the heart touch this? Mm. Could the princess kiss the frog? <laughs> you know, this kind of rather loathsome, pathetic, disgusting creature. And of course, in the fairy story, she kisses the frog and he turns into this lovely prince or, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've tried, I've sometimes been tempted to kiss frogs, but, <laughs> you know, that, so some of these, these terrible things that we feel rather ashamed of, or how stupid, how can we be so stupid and pathetic to still be like that, and then you just have to kiss the frog. <laughs> you know, uh, so then just taking it into the heart, and the heart, Clearly, it's not comfortable at all. But then this is where, you know, you really get a sense of you want to be comfortable, you want to be ignorant. <laughs> and maybe there's, if you're, there's a comfort, discomfort being caused through, you know, this quality of careful attention placing an uncomfortable truth into your heart. If that's, you know, you really look at that, that careful attention and you, you've done this, so, you've seen this pattern so many times, right? This sense of who I am, so many times, you've seen it so many times. Now's the time, you know, to take that, stop believing in it, bring the quality, the meaning of that in, in to, to, into your heart. And you, you don't want to bring it carefully. Bring it in, and where the heart really needs the support of the body, because the heart is often quite closed and shrunken and, and frightened or ashamed by the, these experiences. So, just sense of the body is right here to protect you. You know, it doesn't matter to the body what your head is doing. It's still going to breathe in and breathe out. You, so you really using this embodiment to gain the strength and the deep security. Personality is always insecure. You can't expect it to be anything more than that. But at a certain kind of existential level, our bodies belong to the earth and they can feel that. You know, they, they, they came out of a womb. They struggled, they grew. You cut them, they heal, they stand up, you know. They grow. They've got that life force in them. Mm. And they're amazingly resilient, really. So we come into this embodiment, touching the ground, feeling our, our groundedness. And this is something to do many times to build up that embodied refuge so that when the heart receives, you know, the blow of dukkha, when we open to that, You've got something that stands behind you, behind it. Like, yes, but I can feel it. I can feel my 
blood racing or my pulses or the tingling or a cramping and I can breathe out. And I can feel the, the coolness or the shivering and I can come down into my feet, into my body and you know, and then to, fi- and then to, f- to allow the heart to feel. And it's a uh, surprising, uh, <laughs> it, it is really surprising how if with that, the heart will actually do it, do the work, it will open up. Now, the moment of touching, there's a sense almost as if there's a heart cracks mm, when we, we touch suffering, when it touches suffering. But it's actually what's happening is the personality shield over the heart is cracking. The sense of I can't bear this, the sense of this is not fair, the sense of, you know, it's my fault. That's what cracks. <laughs> and then when that cracks, the heart can be open and we feel and it tones, it begins, the tone begins. The tone can be one of joy, the tone can be one of grief. Tone can be one of uh, compassion. Tone can be one of lamentation. Tone can be one of deep silence. There's a tonal quality that comes comes up through the heart as it really is able and in di- and given the support to meet dukkha. This is the first noble truth. You may not have heard it this way before, but this is dukkha has to be understood. And you know. That understanding is not just conceptual. You know, you can read the first noble truth conceptually, it's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, emotionally it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. And so bringing that, this is where it counts, because that's what where the transformation is going to occur when the heart goes from being shrunken and nervy and me and I can't and what am I supposed to do anyway and this isn't right and I'm only this and it's come out of that and then you know something grand and and, and joyful can occur You know, the Buddha gave the image of, say, somebody, you know, says, well, we've got this deal whereby we'll, we'll stick a hundred spears you, into you in the morning, a hundred in the afternoon, a hundred in the evening. And this will go on every day for a hundred years. And he says, if you, if, you, if you shake hands on that deal, at the end of the hundred years, you get the full realization of the Four Noble Truths. He says, if someone offers you that deal, shake their hand. Because <laughs> the joy will be worth it. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, I don't fancy it, I don't like that. <laughs> Do you? But you've been having a hundred spears stuck in your heart every, every day already. <laughs> Just because there wasn't somebody out there doing it, you've been doing it. <laughs> so now's the time to close the deal. <laughs> Mm. 
Yeah, this sense that there's a, there's a gentle, so this is a little bit fierce, but there's a gentle beginning to this. There's gently the faith and then the gentling in and the sense of touching into your Dhamma body. This is like the, the tip of the plant, the root, is always just this very fine, tender little tip that grows down into the ground. You ever seen a plant? You've got very fine hairs and soft, and it's just stick probing down into the ground. You look at the where the root is, is old, it's a big, knotted, gnarly thing that will hold a tree up. Right? <laughs> but at the end of it, it's this very delicate, sensitive thing. That's, that's, the, that's the green pit. Yeah? And that's, that's so we, we send that down, yeah? and we begin to take up nourishment from our dumber body. And as you do so, you know, the strength comes up into the root and it becomes strong, and it begins to hold. So the root is much more than just um, a light, you know, a, a nourishment system. It becomes a, a, something that will hold a, a massive tree upright in the ground when the wind blows. And in Dhamma practice, this is called developing your parami. <laughs> yeah. So we've looked at the list of the parami, and they're just opportunities for this kind of development, whereby. You touch into something, you think, yes, that, that is that is beautiful. Uh, you know, generosity, uh, giving heart, beautiful. Yeah, I can, you do do some, and you do some, and then you feel this is beautiful, and you do some, and you do, it's not just material things. It's hospitality. You do some service. You do some. Uh, you know, offering attention, advice, loving kindness, you do some. And you, you feel, I can't do that. I mean, I can't know what to do, but you just do it. And you just keep doing it. I can't do it. I know what to do. Just keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually this knit thing in your head stops. <laughs> and you just do it. And then the root is strong. Yeah. So it's like, you know, when I was asked to teach, um, they said, go and teach. But I had to just do it. But, but just go ahead and do it. But, okay. yeah. I don't know what, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Don't want, don't want people do it. I'm <laughs> 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 asking, I think, asking Lumpur Liam, when, when is a person ready, you know, to take responsibility to lead a community, when, when, uh, maybe five years, ten years, twenty years, he says, you're never ready, nobody's ever ready, you just do it, and you, that's how you develop your parami. <coughs> I think I'll ask somebody else next time. <laughs> <laughs> So we meet that because as we come into the cultivation of the parami, you know, it's, it's certainly lovely, beautiful aspirations, aren't they? Uh, you know, patience, loving kindness, truthfulness, beautiful, yeah. That's the green tip. And you think, yeah, I light up for that. And then you do it, you, you're going to feel the struggle, the push, something pushing, struggling. This is the host of Mara. When you start to make those, those moves, Host of Mara wake up and they start coming in with the, the hammers and the spears. 
and they start threatening you and challenging you and telling you you can't do it and you're inadequate and everybody hates you and it doesn't work and what's the point anyway after all you know why don't you get a nice little semi-detached in New Jersey instead or something (laughs) 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 so this the doubt the doubt the uh, negativity the feeling of failure the feeling of being a fake inadequate incompetent you know so so just just Trust the barami. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody gets it wrong. Trust the taproot and you just keep working into that. And it becomes strong. It's not comfortable. You want to be comfortable or you want to be ignorant? <laughs> Challenging the doubt. The voice of doubt is one of the Mara's loudest voices. Mm. Nobody's adequate on the personality level. But tapping into the Dhamma field, this is the sacred. You have access to the sacred and that will give you the energy and the juice and the resilience uh, and the kindness and the wisdom. Mm-hmm. keep tapping in to that you know. so it starts soft we need the softness just to give us the nourishment and the support and the companionship recognize when we all begin to constellate the quality of of integrity morality kindness the simple qualities and we do this in a group it's a tremendous richness in the field Mm. does this make sense you know it's not just nice people but there's a a field of the potential that we're all constantly as best you know in in accordance with our karma trying to potentize and actualize and that's not just be contained in a skin bag you know, that, that hearts are not contained in skin bags. They, they emanate, they radiate, they suffuse, they pick up, they sensitize. And even when we can't even figure it in our heads, it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so we begin to, hearts begin, their nature is to, the function of heart is to include. Function of brain, which is useful, is to differentiate. This, that, this, 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 that, this that, which is also handy. But the function of some things it cannot do. One thing it cannot do is it cannot embrace. Heart's capacity is to include. And it just does that. It starts as it comes out, it grows, it, it wishes, it inclines towards congruence, harmony, touching, uh, feeling, being sensitive, relational quality. That's its nature. When you have a, a field like this, it just goes ahead and does it. No. No, it starts reaching round. Now this is so this is something that uh, we can touch into and begin to own up to. We are affected. We do have warmth and kindness for each other. Somebody has kindness for you right now. They hold you with a sense of respect and care. Mm. 
So tapping into that. So this quality of metta uh, begins, you know, it's not even something I do, it's something I sense is in my field. Does this make sense? In your range, somewhere in your range, you know there have been occasions when goodwill, generosity, forgiveness, support has been given. And you know what that felt like. When you, that's in your field. So you potentize that. There's been the blame and the criticism and the exclusion and all that. Don't give attention to that. Give attention to where there's been goodwill, forgiveness, openness, friendliness. Give attention to that. Giving attention potentizes, affirms, amplifies. Dwell in that. And see what happens. This is where you're beginning to cultivate your parami. It's not like a personal parami. It's a it's transpersonal. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm such a nice guy. Yeah. But um, one can have access to that Dhamma potential. And then you know, the more one has access, that gives it careful attention just by starving the potentials of ill will, of fearfulness, of inadequacy, just starving those, they begin to wither. And the potentials for goodwill, for allowing oneself to be loved, which is very difficult for a frozen heart. That just becomes a little more possible time and time. And then, of course, much easier is to generate that towards others. So this way you just start to massage the heart. (coughs) Goodwill towards others, fairly easy, towards myself, uh, well, (laughs) remember the occasion when it's happened (laughs) and something does take it in. So you don't have to to think about it, just let your heart be massaged by that. It has its own, it has its effects. But one needs to do it repeatedly because there's probably been at least a thousand spears of ill will going in there. Uh, So this is something one has to, you know, touch a thousand times with goodwill. Just keep doing it. It's never wasted. Doesn't matter how long for. Doesn't matter. Hmm? Doesn't matter how many times you get uh, overwhelmed with you know, ill will towards yourself. Doesn't matter. Just do it again. Hmm? You just do it. You don't get impatient with a wound. You just keep healing it. Hmm? And then, hmm? So the quality of this quality of the metta is like the beginning of the heart massage. Just squeezing and pumping it into life. Strengthen it, begin to meet the suffering. Mm-hmm. Karuna, compassion. And one is actually, you know, with that increasing heartfulness, 
there's a recognition of the distress which is not just something wrong with me we begin to recognize the human field is very disturbed dissonant and so on and uh, you know you kind of begin to open to to this the, the suffering both as it manifests in this being manifest in other beings it's the same sign it's this being that being her them near or far it's the same quality the crushed the overwhelmed the excluded and it's not comfortable that you're open to it you want to open to it because that cracking of the heart is actually the heart coming out of its shell And you get grander, bigger, heart gets bigger. I'm able to digest more. Yeah. So we often, you know, you can use the potential of, of words, the ability to form words in these ways. So we use this fantastic potential of being able to articulate, which we so, you know, use so casually articulating first of all exactly the nitty-gritty of one's problem amongst all this spinning confusion this is the distress this is the disorientation so that's what words can do they can take this mass of felt meanings and crystallize it into a potent handful a single word single term that carries it all then you drop that into the heart and that's the magic of words, the magic of articulation. You take the vitaka, you point to it, you name it, vichara, you really get the feel of it. And you drop it into your heart. Similarly, as you drop it into your heart, you may get the sense of, oh, you know, um, compassion is needed here. Well, that's just a word. <laughs> that's just the outer suitcase. What's in compassion when you open it up? The willingness to be uncomfortable. And that's okay, you know, an opening into that. Whatever tonality can do that, whatever tonalities occur. And when we contemplate, we open up to the human field, we recognize, yeah, you know, it's not comfortable. Sometimes it's very, very uncomfortable. You know, we look at the devastations of millions of animals who weren't very comfortable about getting slaughtered. Devastations of human beings who weren't so comfortable about getting, you know, butchered, captured, raped, shot, lynched. That wasn't very comfortable for them. So, me being uncomfortable about it all, (laughs) you know, nobody's comfortable. It's not appropriate to be comfortable. You know, so then we, you know, something 
we get down on our knees. Um, you realize, you know, human beings, most destructive creature that's ever existed, makes uh, dinosaurs look like a pussy cat. <laughs> yeah. And you know, of all of all human beings, the male white human is probably the most destructive creature that's ever lived, and I'm one of them. So yeah, I'm not comfortable. I don't expect to be comfortable. And then I, you know, what can I do? I just get down on my knees and open to that and ask forgiveness um, person, your personality really hasn't done much harm but also you, I'm part of the field so you know, I, at least I can do that bit and I can try to live as a response to that some of that then it's, you know, then it kind of way like I'm, it's, make, it's, make, give, it's meaningful. I know where I am. Yeah. I know where I am in this human plane, not just as a nationality or a place or an identity. I know where I am as a, as a human heart in this domain. And I know what my role is as a human heart in this domain. Uh, it's not a matter of right and wrong it's just what is the heart's requirement potentially in this human domain Uh, it must be you know to open and to be some sort of conduit for goodness I don't have to think about how much how good I am or whether I'm good at how much I can do and so if I don't bother you just open and let it express itself in accordance with the limitations of this this vehicle and this time, this place. And time eventually doesn't really matter. You know, time is just the construction anyway. You just plug into the field through this life and see where it goes. The dumber potential. Time is just the construction, and we're not chitta doesn't move in time, you know. But it does. It's profoundly moved by karma, by potentials. That's what it moves in. So potentials for good, loosely speaking. Potentials for dhamma. Potentials for ignorance, potentials for hatred, potentials for fear. It definitely moves around those. Those it's that's its territory. That's our territory. <laughs> yeah. It's not a not a piece of geography or a, even a piece of history. It's our territory. Is that. And it's not even a person anymore. A person is just the construction. So as you deepen into your parami vehicle and your parami potential, you just keep sending the root down, the tender tip, and the, the 
stock of the roots becoming stronger, sending those tips down. There's a growth there. It begins with the tenderness and it comes into the strength. And the strength braces and supports. And then we take the blows, the wind, the pressure, the push, and you've got some anchoring. And exactly, you know, you find your way, but uh, I don't think any of us is rubbing our hands with glee at the idea of more suffering. <laughs> but, you know, what generally tends to happen, I find, is if one is honest, if one has placed one's parami into the ground, you know, if one has offered one's commitment into the ground, if one offers one's parami, your goodwill, your kindness, your integrity into the ground, you're going to get the support and you're going to get the knocks <laughs> that are kind of appropriate, really, and the struggles that are appropriate. And as you find your way those struggles, you're helping everyone because your struggle is everybody's struggle. And, you know, your pain is everybody's pain. And if you're cleaning out a little bit of the human field, that's your beauty, your potential, your privilege. And, you know, and it's going to be effect must have effects on the whole field you get a like a what's called um, accumulation effect uh, tipping point where the you know collective begins to turn mm. as we're witnessing at this time in your, in your in this particular piece of history seeing these tremendously uh, well, you know, well, you name it, but some very challenging forces. Uh, whether you cannot say any, you can't say there's no sense of strife and division, whichever way you want to look at it. And what is needed is the strength and the deepening into integrity and speaking it out. And one finds that's what's kind of happening. Yeah, and yeah. So, in this way, we really deepening into that and expect the challenge. Those quality uh, of compassion, uh, strengthening, but remember there's always still this thought that however strong you get or feel you have to be, which I'm sure many of you have brought forth that strength to deal with, you know, the, the desperation in your families, in your people dying, in your friends getting addicted or struggling and so forth. You've, you've had to be strong. And there's that, that's true, but still remember, there's still that soft growing tip, mm. taking in nourishment. And it's important to also just bear in mind the root is not just the strong support root, it's also that tender, curious little tip that sticks into the earth and it receives joy. It needs joy. It needs joyfulness. Yeah. Joyfulness is the food of the heart. If you've had to be strong, if you've carried weight and so on, then it's important that you do remember that funny little 
root hair, delicate little root hair, which sticks in and just in feels enjoyment. <laughs> to enjoy, it's to be joyful. And so, you know, joy is about offering flowers to a shrine. Uh, joy is about looking around and thinking, where did all this, where did this nature come from? This is blows me away. You know, how can such magnificence happen? <laughs> yeah. When we see it like that, joy is like that. Joy is the joy of seeing beautiful things occur with people. People doing things of generosity, of virtue, of integrity. And you think that's so beautiful. You know, we, we can, and a modern it's called when you rejoice in the goodness of others. Those when the light comes flashing through, another person speaks their truth, holds their ground, opens their heart, you know, gives what's difficult to give bears what's difficult to bear, yeah. walks the extra half mile and you feel joy because you tune in the heart when the heart is open through metta it begins to sense not just the sorrow of the world but also the, the beauty of it. You've got to get them together. Yeah. So this metta opening, just massaging the heart and then the strengthening to give the support and then we touch into the, naturally there's the karuna the sense of the response to the seemingly impossible anguish of and, and difficulty of the world and there's also mudita the touching into the unbelievable beauty mm. that we can also sense yeah, and we sense it you know, it, it certainly we sense it in this incredible experience of being alive, which we take for granted. You know, in there being consciousness of any degree of wisdom at all. <laughs> We're not just kind of blind lurching amoeba or some kind of ability to have a degree of wisdom and to discern skillful from unskillful and to incline to the skillful, you know. It's not all just gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> so rejoice when in, in these these tones occur, you know, these qualities occur in yourself or another, it doesn't matter. The human field manifests the beautiful. It's not me or you, it's just the human field manifests the beautiful, doesn't it? So when we get a flash of that, a sense of that, you know, your heart receives that and you sense that the charge of energy comes in. Yeah. It's not, oh, she's so good and he's so... No, it's, it's, it's there's that and the heart lifts because it receives that. Once we've done that work of cracking the, the personality shield, then we're certainly we're vulnerable and tender to the difficulty, but also we're incredibly available to the beauty. 
And you, you got you get both. <laughs> mudita, the dwelling in in the beauty, and the lovingness, and the capacities, and the integrities that we sense in our human predicament. Mm. And of course, upeka, equanimity, the most difficult to really get, feel clear feeling for. Perhaps it's just the nature of the English word. You know, sounds kind of a bit cold and out of it, indifferent. Mm. So I like an equanimity, it's even, the ability to, the heart to be even. Mm. So the tragedy and the beauty, yeah. It's the ability for the heart to hold the opposites. Mm. Not to just swing into the tragedy or just to get intoxicated with the beauty. It's the ability for the heart to hold the opposites and stay in the center. Mm. It's like, Upeka is like the keel of the boat in this bobbing human ocean. And the keel goes down, and we know as the keel is deeper and deeper, the boat is firmer, but the boat is never rigid. It's not out of the water. It's in the water, we feel the bobbing, and yet there's that even keel going all the way down. Keel is perhaps the least interesting part of a ship, isn't it? Nobody sees it. It's not a nice shape, it's not painted, but Opeka's like that. Uh, nobody really likes Opeka. <laughs> Meta is nice, Opeka. <laughs> but this isn't about being nice, <laughs> this is about being sane. <laughs> and so we, we deepen that as we recognize the, all of this. And that none of it really is personal. Personal personality cannot experience upeka. It's not big enough. But one can gradually, over time, cultivate equanimity towards one's personality, which is bobbing this way and that way, <laughs> going up and down and wavering, because that's what it does. It's a boat, you know. It's quite a it's quite a small boat, really, in a vast ocean. So it does tip and rock and shake and, you know, but then there's the keel underneath it, if we can deepen it, otherwise it flips over. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff is just really feeling those, those tipping currents. Yeah. When you want to, oh, everything's so wonderful and have fun and great time and crash, oh no. <laughs> and then, you know, or the opposite extreme, just going into misery and despair, what's the point of useless getting angry and nasty and fed up and depressed? No, that's not it, you know. And so certainly there's those powerful riptides that can push you into any of these extremes, but naturally, of course, you know, the Buddha Tathagata holds the middle course. <laughs> and it's not, it's not a narrow, fine line middle course, it's a vast... Yeah, because of the depth of the keel, the Tathagata is unshaken, abides resonant with the suffering of beings. Uh, 
uh, tremendously giving, generous, bestowing, the target remains unshaken because of the depth of the equanimity. So these are, you know, these are big potentials. And personally, of course, I don't have it. Uh, But increasingly one can, in terms of one's awareness and experience, one can begin to come through that personal fog and tide into this deep potential and increasingly trust it and open to it and receive it and say, I'm prepared to take the knocks that it's going to bring to me because what else is there to do? You know? (laughs) What else is there to do? So in this way, one's faith becomes an alignment, becomes a confidence, becomes even a conviction. And conviction is an interesting term, isn't it? Is this a prison sentence or what? (laughs) So now, once this has occurred, once it's starting to ripen, you are in. <laughs> and when you're in, you just gotta, you're in the wilderness now. You know, and now, you, you know, it is, you know it's the wilderness. And, you know, you've got to both be strong and you've got to survive and you've got to know how to pace yourself and you've got to know how to get nourishment. You're in the wilderness. You don't know how long it's going to be. You've got to know how to nourish yourself. You've got to know how to take shelter. You've got to know how to be resilient. And nobody's going to ask you whether you're ready for it or not. (laughs) You're there. (laughs) So, you know, and then we can begin to own up to our strength and our potentials and bring them forth. This marvelous ability we have of the human mind to, you know, we can hear, we can listen, we can pick up meanings, and we can take them into our heart. This is how the, the beauty of the Dhamma can be taught. This is itself just marvelous. You know, when the Buddha had some sort of something happened, uh, and he was able to get some words around it and present it and then it's up for us to take these you know suitcases the Buddha passed down <laughs> you've got to open them up <laughs> and see what's in there <laughs> and you've got to put put the contents in the right place don't just put the suitcase on the shelf saying nice suitcase I've learned it all <laughs> you've got to unzip and take it in what really does meta mean is it just lovely or just the, the sense of, of the, um, getting the heart alive and priorities? First priority has to be get safe. If 
you're not safe, you're not going to have a foundation. If you don't get your root into the ground, it's not going to grow. Where's the ground? Get your root in there. You know, get it to drink in and let it come alive and let it probe. When it probes, you'll feel a strengthening effect. And then you're going to have to take some of the push that's happening. Keep this, you know, but it's going to strengthen you. This is the way that Paramiya developed, graduatedly, incrementally, steadily, and the fact that there is not just the, the notion, the teaching is given, but the teaching can actually, um, is potentized by you. It's not just a set piece of words you put in your head, it's something that's potentized by your living experience. You are the juice of the Dhamma. It's potentized in your experience and it's going to gradually grow in your, when you put it into your heart, that's the only place it's going to grow. So, recollect what is useful in this um, brief presentation and uh, opportunity to continue your practice. Um.